Okay, so you all remember Bubba? Bubba's from Kentucky. <laughs> and Bubba went to a revival meeting, and at the end of the revival meeting, the preacher said if anybody needed prayer, they should come get in line. So Bubba went and got in line. And when it was Bubba's turn, the preacher said, Bubba, what do you want me to pray for? And Bubba said, I want you to pray for my hearing. So uh, the preacher put one finger in his ear and one hand on his head, and he prayed. I mean, he prayed hard. And when he's done, he stepped back and he said, well, Bubba, how's your hearing now? He said, well, no, preacher, my hearing ain't till Wednesday morning. So <laughs> Bubba wasn't the sharpest pencil in the box, and I kind of feel like that way this morning. I'm going to talk about, I reread a piece from John Ortberg a couple of weeks ago that I remember reading, I'm not kidding, 15 years ago. It's called Intercepting Entropy. Does anybody in here even know what entropy is? Unless you've studied it? Yeah, sure you do. Well, entropy <laughs> is deeper than I normally go on Sunday morning. In fact, I looked it up in the dictionary. It has something to do with the second law of thermodynamics and the availability of energy throughout the universe and how everything is winding down. You know what I'm talking about? So that's why instead of talking about entropy this morning, I'm going to talk about something I know a little bit about. I want to talk about decay. Decay is Bubba entropy. And if you put everything I know about entropy and, and uh, team it up with everything I know about decay, here's what you come up with. Everything left to itself has a tendency to deteriorate. Everything left to itself will deteriorate. And we see that all the time. I mean, you buy a brand new car, as soon as you drive it off the lot, it's lost a couple thousand dollars. But it didn't stop there. The engine starts to deteriorate slowly. Everything starts to rust. And if you don't take care of it, it deteriorates quicker. We've seen it with our kids through this whole COVID lockdown thing. I mean, the first week or so, it's like, yes, man, we're out of school. This is awesome. But we got about two weeks into it. It's like, now what do you want to do? I don't care what you want to do. I don't know. No, don't start that again. And then they want the iPad, and then they want the TV. You know what I mean? They're deteriorating. Everything left to itself would deteriorate. And, and when, when it doesn't get attention, when it doesn't get energy, it begins to deteriorate. It's the same thing with the human spirit. It's the same thing with the human body and soul. That's how it works. And when people do this, when you and I do this, we begin to become apathetic and complacent, and then we take the road of least resistance, and when that happens, decay starts to set in. It's a bad thing because decay, man, it eats things up. It'll eat up your family. It'll eat up your job. It'll eat up your dreams and your hopes. It, it, it just destroys everything. It is an enemy of the human spirit, this decay. And Solomon has a lot to, to talk about this in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be in the book of Proverbs today. And the first thing he says is a wise person, when he sees decay starting in his life, or she sees it in her life, she start, they do something about it immediately. In fact, our first text, chapter 27, verse 23, he says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Listen to this. For riches do not endure forever. And a crown is not secure for all generations. In other words, what he's saying is, you and I better pay careful attention every day. Every day. And why is that? <laughs> because just because things are okay today doesn't mean they're going to be okay tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. What he's saying is if there's anything in your life that's important, don't put it on autopilot. Because anything left to itself will begin to deteriorate. 
Now, I think it's good counsel, and there's a book by a guy by the name of Max Dupree that talks about decay in our lives and how you can recognize it. And I won't go too much into it, except I'll give you some of his indicators. These are indicators, he says, of decay. A tendency towards superficiality, unresolved tension in key relationships, no longer having time for celebration or rituals, when we confuse heroes with celebrities, I'm glad we don't do that these days, when we lose our sense of gratitude, when we have this chronic sense of guilt, decay begins to come in. And those indicators uh, indicate that there's some things in your life that you need to change quickly. And the reason we need to talk about it is, is not just because of our lives and our kids and our jobs and all that. It, the reason this is so important is because decay can come into a church too. You know what I mean? I mean, we've seen it here. We're going to make disciples who make disciples. Oh, yeah, when are we going to start that? <laughs> what happened to that? We're going to start the teams back up again. Well, I know. When, when, when's that going to? You know, we're going to get these small groups back in line the way they're supposed That just happens in a church if you're not careful. It happened in the early church. It happened in this church uh, 32 years ago when 30 of us started meeting in that little white building over there. We had some dreams, man. I'm telling you, big dreams. We were going to take this community by force. We were going to win and commit people to Jesus Christ and train them for service in His kingdom. We were going to take care of missionaries thousands of miles away. We had all these big things we were going to do, and we did some of them. But here's what happens if you're not careful. Decay sets in, and when that happens, all these big dreams begin to shrink a little bit. And you can always tell when decay starts, sets into a church because the church stops focusing so much on what God wants them to do and they start focusing a whole lot more on what will be better for the church to do. Want to make things better for us financially. Want to make us happy. And that's not God's will for us. That's not what He wants for us. That turns us from servants into consumers. And that's decay. So we're going to look in the book of Proverbs this morning. We're going to look at several of the Proverbs that speak to this until I run out of time, which will be about 4 o'clock this afternoon. Here's the first thing. He says, number one, we need to realize the privilege that every one of us have for owning our own vineyard. Everybody says, what in the world is he talking about? I don't know. I thought you were preaching. <laughs> no, of course I know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our life. That's what he's talking about here. Proverbs 24, verse 30. He said, I, I went to pass the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds. The stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. He saw a mess in the garden. I remember the last garden I put in. It was over at my mom's house about five or six years ago. The whole family wanted to learn to do a garden. None of them showed up. But anyway, I, I remember I, got, I bought the rabbit fence because it was over at my mom's and she didn't have dogs. So I had 25 foot of rabbit fence by 25 by 25 by 25. It's a pretty good sized garden. And man, it was nice. I had several rows of green beans. I had some watermelon vines already coming up, some carrots and that kind of thing, some corn over on one side, cucumbers, all that stuff. And I went over one day to do some weeding. I stepped over the fence and kicked up a rabbit. And I thought, how in the world somebody put a rabbit in there? How in the world? I took another step, kicked up another. There was rabbits all over my garden. And what we, <laughs> what we found out was that I put half of the rabbit fence in upside down. So the big holes were at the bottom and the little holes at the top. And every rabbit in the community had come to set up shop in our garden. Now, we've laughed about that over the years, and I guess I'll do better next time. But the point is, a, a fruitful garden, a fruitful vineyard, a fruitful life doesn't just happen. They don't just spring up. Somebody has to pay attention to it. 
Somebody has to do it. And that's what Solomon's talking about. He says, I was walking past this field. It was a mess. I mean, this thing was a mess. There was thorns everywhere. There was weeds everywhere. The stone wall was coming down. And, and he's got to be thinking, what's going on here? And he sounds a little ticked off, doesn't he? It's a little edge to it. I think I know why. Because in this part of the Middle East, if you had a piece of ground that was capable of producing a vineyard, you were a lucky person. This was the most valuable thing on the planet. This was a lucky, fortunate man, and he wasn't doing anything about it. And Solomon didn't understand it. I mean, are we getting this point? Understand, this, this is where decay starts. We're talking about our lives. Everybody in here has one life. This is your one opportunity to do something for the kingdom. This is your one shot at a vineyard. When you were born, you got a vineyard. You got a body, a soul, a mind, a spirit, and then as you grew up, you got some finances, some character was thrown in, some relationships. You have one chance to do this God's way. And the neat thing is you don't even have to do it by yourself. You can team up with God, and He'll help you, and great things happen. This wasn't going on here, and now you understand what Solomon's getting at when he says, I walked by here, and I was thinking to myself, what could have been? I mean, this could have been an amazing place. This could have been a special place of pride and joy for this person. This could have been a great source of income for this guy. This could have been a great source of food for everybody around, but it isn't. It's a mess. And Solomon, he's saying, i got to wonder why. Was there a great catastrophe? I mean, some flood come through here or a drought? Did a fire burn this place up? And what he finds out is none of that happened. It's sheer negligence. It's neglect. And again, this is a strange power of decay. It's strange, and it's subtle. I mean, when at least, you know, some of the goofy, sinful things that you and I have done, and I said you and I, I mean, my goodness, at least we get a shot of pleasure out of them. It's false pleasure, but we get a little shot or we wouldn't do it. I mean, when you lie, you get something out of that, or you keep from having something happen to you. When you steal something, at least you get something from that. When you lust, you, well, you know what you get when you lust. But neglect, decay, you get nothing. And people throw their lives away because of this every day, especially in the kingdom. I had a guy uh, that worked with me in Indianapolis Power and Light. It was in my early years here, and I won't mention his name. He's not been here in 20 years, but he's been here a few times. He's 24 years old. He hired in an IPL, which was a huge opportunity at the time, let me tell you. And also, we had a bunch of retirees happen at once, which had never happened in the company. And so everybody was moving up. Now, if you were here 25 years ago, most of you weren't, I did not move up because I wanted to protect my weekends off, which didn't work but for a couple of years. But all these young kids moved around me. And so this 24-year-old kid moved through auxiliaries and operations, that's where I was, up to the board. And so he actually became my board man. I was his auxiliaryman. He, he found in, at age 27 which, what most people don't get till they're 50, and he hated it. He didn't like his job. He wasn't happy at home. He didn't like his extended family. He wasn't happy with life in general, but here's the unbelievable part to me. He didn't do anything about it. We had talk after talk about that because when you work with a guy and you change shifts with a guy, you know, you talk a lot. And we prayed together. He did nothing. And so you got this kid with a cush job, two beautiful children, a gorgeous wife, and he lost it all. He lost it all. He didn't do anything stupid. He didn't do anything bad. He just didn't do anything at all. And I wanted to choke him around the neck. That's why I preach in my sister counsels. She can do the choking. Man, I wish I had thought to take him to the book of Proverbs. 
I wish I'd had this piece from John Ortberg because the Proverbs full of solutions for this. Have you been in the book of Proverbs lately? I'm challenging you as a body of believers at South Union Christian Church to read through the book of Proverbs uh, no matter how long ago it's been. If you don't want to do it all today, read a chapter a week, three verses a day, and then find one or two Proverbs that really God and you can work on. Because I guarantee you won't get too deep in the process and you'll find one that will cause your heart to start to beat and the spiritual hairs on the back of your neck will stand up and you'll be thinking, this is the part of my life that God wants to work with and you can go at it. I wished I'd have done that with him. I wish I could have read this to my friend, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. Those who work in their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies lack judgment. Those who work will have abundant food. Those who chase fantasies, and they lack judgment, which leads to the second thing. It's just good for us to be real. We just got to live in reality, and some people don't. You'll hear them say things like, just another day in paradise. Just another day, just, you know, good old, good old, same old, same old. Um, a friend of mine knows uh, an editor who's been in the business a long time, and he had, the editor had a, a guy from church, a kid from church come to him and say, I've written a book, and I want to know how to, how to get it published. And uh, so he said, well, it's a process, and it's a tough one. Most of the time you submit an article, and uh, it gets rejected, and then you submit another article, and it gets rejected, and you find out what the editor wants, and then, you know, uh, you finally get something published, and then down the road you get a book. And this guy said, no, I don't want to wait that long. He said, I- I've got the book written now. I want to publish now. I want to make a lot of money. I want to be generous to God. And he said, good luck with that. And-, and we all have fantasies. I want the perfect marriage. I want the perfect life. I want the perfect career. I want the perfect house. I want the perfect church. I want the perfect everything. Solomon says, get real, man. You work with the lot that God gave you. You work with the land that he gave you. You do what he's given. You work with him on that thing. This is the one and only vineyard you're going to get. And if it's going to be different, if you're going to grow up in the kingdom, it's going to be because, not because of the... the uh, Vineyard fairy came and sprinkled dust on you because you teamed up with God. What Solomon says is when we get to this point in our life when we're starting to realize decay setting in and there's some things in our life that need to change and there's some decay going on in this area of our vineyard, we start subtly making excuses. We start working around it. And some of the excuses, I mean, they're, they're pretty funny. You know what I mean? But he says in, in verse 9, we become, or chapter 6, verse 9, we become lazy. And as I read these things, uh, there's kind of an edge to them too. And they kind of stung a little bit when I read them, but that's okay. Being stung by the words, okay. Here's what he said. How long will we lay there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And one day disaster breaks in you like a bandit. Notice the word a little. It, this is passive inactivity. I, I'm going to get up. Just not yet. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get this thing done. I'm going to get out of sleep. It's just not yet. It's, it's real passive inactivity. Here, here, I read this article. This is a true story. This guy went back to his hometown. He hadn't been there in 20 years. And he took his family, had two kids, and they went by his old house. I mean, I just did this with my mom and sisters not too long ago. Drove by the old homestead and looked at it. Well, he got pretty bold. He went up and knocked on the door, and he said, hey, I know this is kind of nuts, but he said, you know, I've lived here for, uh, I lived here for uh, my whole life, and I've been gone 20 years, and could I just 
would it be okay if I just peeked in and looked around a little bit? And the guy said, come on in. Bring your family in here. It was so cool. So they came in, and they talked and giggled and laughed a little bit. And they said, we're going to put on some coffee. You go look around. So this guy goes through his old homestead. He went up in the attic, and he found one of his old jackets hanging up there on a nail. And he put it on, stuck his hand in the pocket. This is a true story. There was a ticket stub in there. Pulled it out. It was from the shoe store downtown. He'd taken a set of shoes in there and then removed. Forgot about it. So on the way out of town... This guy says uh, to his family, let's, let's have a little fun. They stopped at the shoe store and gave the guy the ticket. And he said, I came to see if my shoes were done. They giggled a little bit. The guy said, I'll be right back. He went to the back and came back out front and said, come back a week from Monday. They'll be done a week from Monday. <laughs> True story. That's a sluggard. That's us sometimes. We see the decay, and, and we're never going to say, well, I'm not going to fix that because we know God won't. We're going to fix it a week from Monday. We do that with stuff, don't we? I mean, I know my, my uh, body's kind of winding down a little bit. I'm putting on a little weight and I'm out of shape. I, need, I, I know I need to go on a diet, but everybody knows there's only one day to start a diet, right? Monday. So we binge through the weekend. We're going to start Monday, or a week from Monday. I, I know my spiritual life needs, I need to kick it up a notch. I mean, I have all this time through the COVID thing, and I, I've kind of you know, wasted that. I need to get things back together, get my devotions going again. I'm going to start next week. Week from Monday, I'm going to get this thing done. I'm tired of hearing Cain talk about praying. He talks about, brags about how he prays an hour and a half, two hours a day. Well, when I get my kids raised, I was doing it when my kids were little. When I get my kids raised and I got all the time in the world, I'm going to start praying. I'll do it a week from Monday. I know there's some disarray in my vineyard. I know I need to grow up, and I'm not going to not do it. I'm just going to do it later. And Solomon says when we do that, we rationalize things, and we even start making excuses. And some of the excuses, I mean, listen to Proverbs 26, 13. Uh, The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I was going to go outside, but there was a lion out there. You know what I mean? By the way, did you hear about two lions caught a comedian, and they ate him for lunch? And when they were done, one of them said to the other one, did that taste a little funny to you? Anyway, so the sluggard's making excuses, and he says, there's a lion. The lion factor's high. I mean, I was going to get up and go to work today, but uh, people are getting eaten by lions every day. The pollen counts up. The lion counts up. I'm going to call my boss and say, you know, I'll be back tomorrow when the lion counts up. That's how silly that is. That's what Solomon says happens to you and I when we let decay set in. We start making silly excuses. I mean, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it later. Proverbs 26, 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so a a sluggard turns on his bed. I was going to get up. I really was. I know I got a lot to do today, but I just feel like I'm being held down by this centrifugal force. You know how we get that way? Guy comes home from work. He lays down on the couch. His wife says, you need to get up and go outside and spend some time with the kids. At least cut the grass. The grass is so high, I sent him out to play two days ago. I ain't seen him since, you know what I mean? And he says, honey, I can't. I'm about ready to drop. I, I spent everything I had at work today. I'm so sorry. I got to take a break. And then the phone rings. It's a buddy of his. Wants to go play golf. And it's a miracle. I mean, energy pours back into this guy's body. And out, out he goes, you know. It's, it's these subtle excuses that we make over and over and over again. Something else the sluggard says. They, they don't recognize their own sluggardism. Is that even a word? When you and I get into this mode, thank you, thank you. You look that up. It's in the Hebrew. Listen to Proverbs 26, 16. Sluggards are wiser in their own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. 
They're wiser in their own eyes than seven people. In other words, they're a legend in their own mind. I've heard people say this before. I've heard this come out of my mouth before. Well, I can tell you what, I got a lot of problems, and God and I are working on them, but I'll tell you one of them ain't lazy. I'm sure not lazy. If anything, I'm a workaholic. If there's anything, I'm over the top. You know, I'm a lion killer. I'm out there working all the time. At least I'm not lazy. And Solomon's saying be real careful with that because there's another form of decay that's even more dangerous. It's called selective decay. And you're over here working all these other places in your kingdom life and you're growing up in your life, but there's this little part over here in the garden that you don't like to talk about and you don't like to think about and the weeds are taking over. Do I need to list some of them? got this guy at work. He's just been promoted. He's got some people under him, making some more money, doing good, having, buying more things. But he's spending less and less time with his family, less and less time with his wife. And that part of the vineyard's starting to get grown up with weeds. You got this gal over here. She's a great mom, man. She takes the kids everywhere. She has kids over to spend the night. They go over all over the place. But There's a part of her soul that's drying up because she just can't get out of bed in the morning to pray and she doesn't have time for devotion. She's a great mom, but this part of her vineyard is starting to get weed infested. You got this couple over here. They got a nice house. They got three good kids. They got great church, but they haven't had a meaningful conversation with each other in two months. They haven't been out on a date in two years. And so their life is drifting apart, and they're not doing anything at all about it. The weeds are taking over that part of the vineyard. Here's a family over here that's in debt. They know they need to get out of debt. They need, they, need, they need to go see you all and get this Dave Ramsey thing going, and they know they need to, but they just keep getting another credit card, just keep buying another car. And that part of their vineyard, that's enough. Selective decay is so dangerous because everything else looks like it's okay. You got that one place. I do need to quit. So you can slide on up here if you want to. We're going to take with us a lesson down to the communion table from the ant. Proverbs 6 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider the ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food for the harvest. Two quick lessons from the ant. Here's the first one. Ants don't need any motivation. No external motivation at all. The ant doesn't need their wife or their husband or their kids or their co-worker or their small group or their preacher to get them motivated. The ant knows they have one life and they're going to stand before God and answer for it. So same with you and I. You know, it's like the, the, the ten virgin, virgins. Five of them were foolish, five of them were wise. And when it came time, the foolish ones didn't have any oil. And that part of the story, story you're always thinking, well, why didn't, those, why didn't those wise ones share with the unwise ones? They asked us, give us some of your oil. And they said, no, because you can't share your spiritual life with somebody. That's on you. This is your vineyard. You can't share your vineyard with somebody. This kingdom life that God gave you is between you and him. The ant knows that, so should we. The other thing about the ant is they know when summer's over, they better be providing. They know their time's running out. Time's running out, folks. I've been saying for a long time it's running out for all of us. I could be so wrong, but it's running out for me. He's 63 years old in October. It's coming. I know. I can see it in the mirror when I look. 
I keep getting these invitations from AARP to join their club. And they promised me they'll give me uh, discounts on insurance and discounts on camping. It's such a nice little club. You'd think I'd be grateful to them. I'm not grateful. I don't want anything to do with AARP. Who wants to join a club that sounds like you're throwing up? I belong to ARP. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But I do know that decay is setting in on me physically, which brings us to this. The central part of South Union Christian Church. This is why we come to worship. To realize the one who gave it all so that when decay comes knocking at the door, it's got to meet up with Jesus Christ. And, man, there's no competition. Paul says, when you come to the table, you should examine yourself before you drink the cup and eat the bread. Start looking at those places in the vineyard that got weeds in them and say, Lord, I I see it. I know it. Help me with it. I want to do the garden right for the kingdom. So that's what we're going to do this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'll be sitting right there in the front row where it says, I can't, and you come and talk to me. We'll spend some time uh, at the table.